At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And I just wanted to make sure we are saving enough for our goals. I just, I don't want to be like, oh, we spent all this on this house and now we can't, you know, do what we wanted to do. That's what scares me. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here with my guest today, Charlie. Welcome, Charlie. Hi, thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Okay, well, I'm happy to be here. I've listened to the podcast so many times, so oh, excited that's amazing. to be on. <laughs> yeah. I always love to hear that. So now it's your turn to be in the hot seat here. Yes. So would you give me an an overview? So how old you are, you know, where you live, single partnered, how much you make, all of that jazz. All right. So I'm Charlie. I am from Nevada. I think I'm your very first guest from Nevada. You are my first guest from Nevada. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah. um, I am an audiologist and I work for the government. I make $106,000 a year. I am engaged. We have our um, monies combined and my partner makes about $110 a year. And can get bonuses. Amazing. Yeah. So now you work for the government. So do you have, do you get a pension? Depends what type of government. Or do you get, yeah. Okay. I think it's 4.2% of every paycheck goes into uh, FERS, the pension system I'm in. Um, And then I also have my TSP account. Your TSP. Perfect. Okay. Yep. All right. Wonderful. And how old are you? I'm 28. Okay. Well, it's fun to have someone in from Nevada. All right. So you sent me over a beautiful spreadsheet. So let's kind of talk through everything. So you have everything combined. So we'll go through it from that perspective. Okay. Um, And fairly comparable salaries for both of you. Yeah. It's I, so I went to school for eight years, so I'm almost two years. out of school working. 
So my first year I made about 64,000. And then after my first year, I had that huge bump to about 106. So my first year, I wasn't really saving as much as I probably should have because I was, you know, tired from being in school so long. Um, yeah. And then since I got my raise last fall, I've been, we've been trying to save more. We combine our finances and we're also looking um, to build a house that will be done in January. So that's kind of our big goal right now is to save for this house. Okay. Fantastic. And then do you, are you planning on a wedding or are you going to wait till the house is over or did you choose house over? What did you choose? No, we are. So that's another goal. Um, this fall, we're going to Hawaii. We're just going to elope, um, do something really small. So I do have a small budget for the wedding. That's going to be about 4,000 that I want saved for that. We already have our plane tickets and rooms paid for. So perfect. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you have perfect. You did a nice monthly breakdown here. You even color coded it for me. <laughs> I tried. So, <laughs> so why don't we start high level? So between um, monthly, you bring in between the two of you, 10,500, your expenses, yep. which are great, are, we'll just round up for the audience's purposes, about 4,500 a month. And then your debts are a little over a thousand dollars. And then you're saving 5000 Yes. Amazing. Okay. So currently, are you renting? No, we own our home. Um, we bought it almost two years ago. So we're waiting until that two years, uh, yeah. that two-year mark hits in October. But everything going on with interest rates and the market is kind of freaking me out. But hopefully this summer, everything stays the same. Um, and then we can sell our mortgage. house. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So thanks here. The housing market is crazy. So our house should, from the two years we bought it, it should um, give us about $200,000 in equity. Amazing. I know. And just so for the wild. listeners, when you mentioned you had to hit the two years, um, that is because you have to have lived in your house two of the last five years in order to exclude the capital gain. So when you have a profit of, you know, 200,000, you won't pay tax on that. It's the exclusion is 250 per person. So yeah. that's why that's good that you'll hit the two year mark. And then that way you can exclude any taxes and then you could walk away with 200,000. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait till that date comes. <laughs> I'm like, get me out of here. I just don't want anything crazy to happen with the market. So just a little freaked out. So are you are you going to sell the current house once the other house is built? Or what is the... Yeah, the other house should be done in January. So we didn't know if we could... We were talking with our realtor to maybe sell it and do like a rent back. Um, Lease back. Or just see yeah. how the market is at that point and then kind of go from there. Yeah, you can definitely do... Um, usually do a lease. Yeah, yeah. And then you would just lease the house back usually the way that works is you would lease the house back for what you, your current payment is. Um, okay. I didn't know how that even. You can actually structure be. it however you want. I have done the lease back. Um, I've known other people who've done lease backs. Um, and typically they just keep the expenses the same. So you're just leasing it back. You know, you would stay, you would sell your home. So you'd get that cash. Right. And mm -hmm. therefore you could 
you know, you know that, that you're done, you're not waiting for the house to sell. And then you would lease it back from the new owners. Usually, I mean, it's all negotiable, but usually for the same mortgage amount, same price that you were really paying on there. And that is in a competitive market, you know, that can make Mm -hmm. different offers more attractive, right? So someone who's willing to lease it back at the original cost that you have it at versus the new mortgage cost because they're buying it for 200,000 more, right? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, So we'll see how that all ends up, but that's the goal. Okay, perfect. And so your mortgage right now is 1990, so just about 2000 a month. You have utilities and house stuff for $340, subscriptions at 100, food at 1000, fun at 600, phones at 150 and gas at 300, which is how we come to the 4480, about 5000 for expenses monthly. And then for debt, we have student loans, um your student loans, and so you have 7900 remaining. Yes. On that? Yeah. That's not bad for how long you were in school. No, my, my parents were really generous and they, they helped with everything except my eighth year of school. So I took out a loan uh, for that final year. Fantastic. I'm just trying to pay that down. Yeah. And then we have um, two car loans yeah. and that's basically, so the month, the, the amount that you have for monthly debt payments is just over a thousand and then your school school loans will just round up as the eight thousand, and then your fiance's car loans thirty five thousand, and then eleven thousand for your car loan. Yes, perfect. Okay, all right. So let's talk about saving. So the number you gave me, the ten thousand five hundred, that is your net coming in. Yes, perfect. Yep. And so and we get paid every. So I get paid one Friday. He gets paid the next Friday. Oh, really? It alternates? Yeah, it's so nice. (laughs) That's amazing. So every Friday, someone's getting paid. Yeah. I have not heard of that before. That sounds I know. I'm like, how did this work out? I love this. (laughs) Yeah, that's really nice. And so you're each putting in, so you're putting in 15% of paycheck, which is fantastic. And you're getting a 5% match. Yeah. So are you getting 5% on what you contribute or 5% of compensation? 5% of what I put in. Okay. And then um, your fiance is doing 11% of paycheck and getting a 4% match. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. And I'm one of those people who I didn't even realize there's someone who has to process all of my TSP allocations. So I, I am like always saying, oh, well, what if I change it to Roth or what if I do 2% more to traditional? And I didn't even realize that there's someone processing this for me I just thought it was like boom done so I used to change my contributions a ton to see um like if I could get uh I wanted to make sure I could get 2400 net each paycheck yeah so um because we're saving for the house I was thinking how could I you know still save what I want to um but try and get as much for my paycheck as I can. So I did change it to 15% traditional for this next year, um, just to give me a little bit more in my paycheck. Paycheck. Yep. And the reason why that works well um, is because it reduces your taxable income. And I think given that you're both making six figures, that'll help you save more for the house by reducing your taxable income. That was one of my questions. Should I continue like after the house is done? Should I go back into Roth or or should I not? 
So I really love Roth, um, but you're probably both in a pretty high bracket given that you're both making six figures. So it's just going to be, there's no, let me put it this way. There is no right or wrong whether you should do one or the other. And some people have very strong opinions. My goal when I talk to people who come on the show is just, I'd love to see everyone saving a lot for retirement, right? So that that's an option. Mm -hmm. And that you don't feel when you get older that you wish you would have started when you were younger or done more. I love the Roth um, option within the plan. What you could always do is meet yourself halfway. So you could do, you know, 5% towards the Roth and 10% towards the pre-tax and do a little bit of both. I do think okay. the tax savings is nice when you're in such a high bracket, you know, between you and your fiance. So let's just mm -hmm. see where you're going to fall tax-wise. And let me just see one other question. So if you're, when did, you're going to get married this in year? October. In October. Okay, yeah. so you married filing joint. So let's just see what the Roth IRA income limits are going to be. So if you're, you'll be married filing jointly then, which will be, so you just have to be under, 204,000 for modified adjusted gross income and you could do a Roth IRA outside of work for the year of 2022. Okay. And then so I have one. Does that just even if you're married filing jointly, is that still just mine? And Yes, yes. So that's a great question. Okay. So with retirement plans, it always stays doesn't it always stays in an individual's with their individual's social security number. That's how the government tracks it. So you can okay. never combine one. You can't have two people on a Roth IRA. The only time you see two names is if you inherit someone's IRA. So this is wild. The deceased person's name stays on that the entire time. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's called the okay. decedent. And so your name literally never leaves this account. It's always your account, even in death. Oh my gosh. Okay. I know. So it's always going to be yours. So it, I would just see where you fall. Like if your fiance, then, you know, future husband gets a bonus and you can't, you're not eligible to do a Roth outside of work, mm -hmm. you know, using your own Roth IRA, then you could split the contributions with yourself, you know, wherever it makes sense for you, maybe 5% or 8% Roth and then, you know, 12% traditional and see where you fall tax wise. But okay. Another way to do it would be you could leave everything pre-tax and then do the Roth outside of work if, you're, if your income meets the threshold. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. So that, and then we, we've paused the savings because you're saving for the home. So you, you had a Morgan Stanley account, a Discover savings, and then you have your, your IRA, which I'm assuming is a Roth, right? It's a Roth IRA. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. And so right now you're doing $12.50 a paycheck towards the, the new home. Yes. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the, the, um, if everything works out right. Yes. We kind of do like a reverse budget. So, you know, every paycheck, I just transfer that into our savings and then, you know, we pay all of our bills and then anything left over kind of breaks down into the food and fun, which we could definitely cut back on, um, if necessary, but yeah, it's kind of like a reverse budget I would say where we kind yeah of no I call it budgeting backwards. backwards it's the right way to yes. do it so your goal is the house so you allocate money there first you allocate money first to retirement and then whatever's left over you know you do your monthly debt payments 
and your mortgage and your utilities and then whatever's left over is food and fun. That's perfect. Okay, cool. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know if we could stick to like a exact budget, like some people do, which I've always tried. I've have so many different spreadsheets, but I've tried to fit places and go through and make sure I fit the budget, but this seems to work the best for us. So, so hopefully no, it works the rest of the year. <laughs> no, I think it's great. So you're basically paying yourself first. That's the way to think about it. First, you're doing the retirement comes out straight away, right? Cause it's payroll driven. And mm-hmm. then from there, you know, obviously you pay your expenses and your debt and then you savings. And then what's left over is all of the discretionary things. So going out to eat and all the extras. Yeah. Rather than people do, a lot of people fall into the trap of their money comes in, they obviously pay, you know, rent goes out, debt payments go out, and then they live on that money. And then whatever's left over, they try and save towards their goals. And it usually doesn't work as well because some months, you know, if you're not, I think it's always better to put that money away first. And, you know, if there's a month you go over, then you can go back into savings and say, okay, instead of doing 5,000 for the house this month, we're only going to do 4,500 because X happened or whatever, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. That works better for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a great way to do it. I always call it budgeting backwards. And I like, I think it's a more intentional way to spend your money because you know what it's, you've allocated the money according to what your financial goals are versus letting it yeah. just happen to you. Right. Okay. So let's talk about this budget for the new house, this other tab. So this is where we currently are today, but we have a lot of changes coming up the rest of the year budget for a new house so this is once we are in the new house this is when you're in the new house okay and it's worst case scenario I tried to make the mortgage as high as it would be it's hard because we can't uh, close on the house until January Um, so I also have like my mortgage numbers tab so talking with our loan officer just trying to figure out you know what that monthly payment may be yeah um kind of hard with not knowing you know the exact interest rates but we do know our home price and we have some variables with the down payment and if we want to buy down the interest rate or anything like that so the budget for new house is what I have once we are in the house worst case scenario Yeah, let's talk about that. So with the house, you know what it's going to cost. You are going to have the 200000 from this, ideally, this house. And then you will have saved, how much do you think with the $5,000 a month you will have saved in addition? or Yeah, just an average, I would say like maybe 60000 with everything else going on this year. But then my parents are also gifting us like a loan down payment. Okay. So... I'm hoping to put about 340 down on a new house and then pay from our, you know, savings this year, the closing costs. I did worst case scenario at 15,000. And then if we needed to buy down the interest rate for 9,000 and then the goal is to pay off all of our debt. So we won't have any debt once we get into the new house okay. and then we'll save that a thousand dollars a month that we were paying in debt. We can kind of put that to the new mortgage, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And then, but you'll still have a bit of an emergency fund, right? Yes. I want to bump that to like 30,000. I don't know if that's too crazy. My partner thinks that's a lot, but I I just well, think with a new house and how much everything is, that makes I, me feel good. Yeah. No, I am, I'm never opposed to having extra cash. You never know. A new house is a little bit 
better in that you're not going to be dealing with, you know, cast iron sewage lines and windows that might need to be replaced or, you know, the, the, the refrigerator will be new, you know, all these big expenses that can pop up. Right. I always think having cash on hand is important. I'm a big, big believer in it. And so right now you have about 15,000. I think that would be totally fine if you wanted to bump it up. If, even okay. if you don't get to 30, but if you get to 20, that's a nice. That's a good number. Yeah. Okay. And then, so when you said buy down the rate, what that means is you can pay points to have a lower rate. So I think, I think it'll just depend on where mortgage rates are. The other thing to remember is you can always make an extra payment on your mortgage yeah. every year. And that will also reduce the interest rate and you don't have to, you know, oh. pay point. Yeah. So I would run those scenarios. What happens if you make a principal only payment every year for the life of the mortgage? Oh, okay. Yeah. Because it, it effectively changes the interest rate. It doesn't change it per se, but because you're paying down the principal, you're making a principal only payment. So you won't see the effect of it early on because that's you know more interest. But yeah. as you continue to do that over the life of the loan, you'll be chipping away at the principal with that once a year, or even if you did it twice a year. So you could run those numbers yourself and see if it's worth paying that buying a lower interest rate or if it's just more prudent to do a principal only payment. Okay. All right. Now I'll look into that. I was thinking with like our extra paychecks we have, we could maybe throw some of that down. Yeah, at you the could house. do like, yeah, you could do a principal only payment. And then that way it's less money up front. You just have to see where the, you know, what the numbers look like. Um, and then, you know, 5% isn't a terrible rate. I think they're going to go higher than that. They've gone up, yeah. you know, since we've hit the, the bottom. But, you know, with the principal only payment, if there's a year you can't make it, there's a year you can't make it. But you could, you know, run scenarios on that and see what's in your best interest. Okay. No, that sounds good. Yeah, I, I just, I wish we could block something in now, but we can't. So we'll just see how it goes. It's just kind of scary every time I see in the news. I'm like, no, stay down. I know it's not terrible, but our current interest rate for this house is 2.99. Oh, that's so. amazing. I know. And when we were looking, like when we signed the contract for the new house, like rates were at like 3.25, 3.5. So we were thinking, oh, it's all going to be good. And then, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So no, but you'll, you'll do, you're going to be able to do it in less than 12 months. So we'll see, we we'll see where it is, but I would run that analysis of like what you're going to have to pay to buy down the rate versus okay. what happens if you keep more cash on hand, right? Cause you don't have to pay for that. And then you make those mm -hmm. principal payments to how does that affect it? Okay, perfect. Okay. And then, so then let's look at the savings goals. Okay. So your monthly goal with the 5,000 a month is to have 60,000 60, saved from that. You'll have 200,000 from the sale of the current house. And then you're going to have a loan from your parents, parents to be for 150. <laughs> yeah. I really hate that. And then- <laughs> So the down payment will be 340 and then you'll have closing costs of 15. You have buying down the interest rate. Yeah. So that 9,100, I would run a principal payment analysis okay. if I were you just to see what makes, what works out better for you. No, that sounds good. I'll definitely look into that. Yeah. I think they called it like a Billy Mac or something back in the day where you just make one extra payment a year, but it goes a hundred percent to principal. It's not a principal and it's it, uh, interest payment and you just mark it as a principal only payment and it goes directly to principal. Um, and is it not like student loans where, you know, people put extra down and it doesn't go towards principal. You have to like be really firm with them. 
No, with it the is mortgage not company. predatory. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Mortgages are a lot more straightforward. They have an amortization schedule. So you know in the beginning you're paying all interest. So with a higher interest rate, you'll probably have a little bit more of a tax break. And then like near the back end of the mortgage, we'll just say you're doing a 30-year fix. It's so where you're doing more of the principal. So there's a schedule. Like there's a printed out schedule that you can see. Okay. Um, so it's okay. not like student loans that I find to be incredibly predatory where you can't make a principal payment until you've paid your regular payment. They can't tell you how it's being attributed if you have multiple loans. As everyone probably knows who's listened to the podcast, I really think it's obscene how right. they operate the student loans. It should be like a mortgage. Yeah, exactly. My my loan that I have is a private loan from a women's organization. So they are not like that at all. Um, well, that's good. I, they're, they're awesome, but I hear like some of my friends and stories from your podcast and I'm like, oh my gosh, how is this legal? This sounds so terrible. <laughs> exactly. How is this legal? Yeah. No, I agree. So I think this is great. So by January, 2023, with the money you're saving, the $5,000 a month, the money you're going to get from the house, the gift from the parents to be that totals 410. And then you're closing your down payment, your closing costs. And then so that's where that 9100 could go into savings. Instead okay. of maybe buying down the rate, you just do that principal payment every year. Gotcha. I would just, you can run a principal only calculator on, you know, you can figure out what the mortgage and estimate 5% or whatever, and then paying off the debt. So then that way that works out to be exactly the amount. So 410,000. And then the big difference would be whether you buy down the rate or you put that money in savings. And so then your new mortgage would be higher, but you would not have the monthly debt of $1,000. You also wouldn't have to be saving $5,000 a month, right? Because now you're already in the house. Yeah. Then we could start, you know, saving towards our actual or other financial or every, Yeah. Everything's on pause, which I don't like, but yeah, then we can turn those goals back on for traveling and I don't know, putting money in the brokerage account, which I didn't know if you thought, should I be, should we like max out our 401ks first before putting in a chunk to a brokerage account? Or So I would, I'm a big believer in retirement because usually when I meet with people, the largest assets they have are either going to be their home. So I think it's great that, you know, you're getting into a home early, you're selling one house to get into another house, all great, taking advantage, right? But I like maxing out the retirements because usually that account ends up actually being worth more than the home. Okay. Usually ends up being most people's largest account. Okay. Or largest, so maybe, you know, a line item on a net worth statement, that in the house. Right. Okay. So maybe I should, after we get in the house, try and bump up my TSP to the max and then kind of reallocate our savings after I see what our paychecks will be. Maybe. Yep. Okay. All right. I just, it feels better to put it in like a investment account because it's like, it's there if we need it, you know, yep. where in the 401k, it's, I know some people can get it out. I, I don't know. I don't see myself doing that unless really bad emergency, but you know, it's like, oh, that's there in case we want to buy like a rental or if some big expense comes up. But I do think it would be best while we're young and before kids to try and, you know, max out the 401k. That's exactly what I think. I think now while you have so much flexibility in your budget, I would max out the 401ks. And if you're eligible, you could do the Roths outside of work. 
and I would keep that solid emergency fund, I think that's great. It's, you know, if you don't buy down the rate, you can bump up your emergency fund right there to 25,000. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then from there, maxing out the work plans, maybe doing a Roth. And then after that, then I would do the investment account. Okay. That sounds good. My other question I had, do you feel like, I just want to make sure we're saving enough and not, I don't know, the new house is just kind of freaking me out lately. So I want to make sure we're not, you know, focusing too much on spending on this house and we still have enough left over to, you know, save for our goals. Like I, I do really want to travel, take like a nice trip every year. And I may want to be part-time once uh, we have kids. So I just want to make sure we have enough to do those things we want to do. And this house isn't like holding us back. No, I think that's, I, I think that's a, you bring up a really valid point because houses are based on two incomes and right. So like if your yeah. income went down, could you still afford it? So the way that's why I think it would be great to like kind of front load your retirements if you can, because if you have to ever tone those down when you have kids, you've dumped a bunch of money in it to it when you're in your twenties or early thirties okay. and you have a solid emergency fund. So if there should be a problem, right? You have that emergency fund. Because mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't think you should pull from your retirement accounts unless it's like a dire thing. Like you need housing and food yeah. and shelf, you know, really dire. Yeah. So the new budget for the for the new house will be 3,300 is the new mortgage. Utilities, food, fun, it's similar. So that basically it goes up to 6,350. Your income is the 10,000 a little over 10,000. So, and then you're going to be paying back 500 a month to the parents to be. And then with your savings goals of 3520, you have a buffer of 230. Mm-hmm. That's why so here's so this is where it, the decision to do Roth versus to do pre-tax is never as easy as like it's right for everybody because in mm-hmm. your situation, you're going to now have a house that you're getting into that's worth 800,000, right? Mhm. So that's still on your balance. That's on your net worth statement. So maybe you use the pre-tax and the retirement because it gives you that more more of that buffer because it's all pre-tax versus Roth where that's a you know dollar into the 401k is a dollar out of your paycheck right versus okay. the pre-tax option is a dollar out of your paycheck or a dollar into your 401k or TSP in your case is only 70 cents out of your paycheck. Mm-hmm. Okay, no that makes sense. But no, I think I think you'll be fine. And also remember well, taxes on a property can go up and usually go up. It just depends on the state that you live in, how much they go up yearly. You should mm-hmm. ideally make a little bit more, right, income over the next yeah. five to 10 years. Or you might take a step yeah. back and then go back into work. Right. Yeah. Right now with the government, I I do get a yearly bump instead of my uh, partner. So that's why I kind of just made our incomes a little bit bigger once we're in the new house, maybe taking different positions or something. But um, yeah, hopefully we can get our income up over the next few years in case I do want to take like a step back. Yeah. And I see you have a side hustle here. What's that? Yeah. So I actually run an Etsy account. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I have a bunch of like stickers and prints. And it doesn't make a ton, but, you know, it's not bad once I total everything at the end of the year for just selling, like, stickers and stuff. So I do have that little bit of income, which is nice. Yeah, that's great. And I could, like, always go towards vacation or something or, you know, something with a house. 
No, I think yeah. you'll be fine. I think that the pre, I would maybe not buy down the rate. I would look at the principal only payment instead because okay. that'll give you more of a cash buffer and I think will make you more comfortable. And then okay. I would look at maybe doing more pre-tax in the TSP and 401k and then seeing how that you could, cause you can always switch it. So you could do one year pre-tax, see how it affects you and then say, okay, next year we're going to, you know, if you don't have the money to do Roth outside, which you might not with the new house, then maybe you split the difference the next year. You can always adjust okay. it. And he he can't change his. His is going to be his 401k. So I I am the only one who has that kind of ability to change. Okay. So that's another reason I was like, well, maybe I should be more Roth since you can't be. Oh, he only has pre-tax option. He doesn't have a Roth option. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Pre-tax. Okay. I, they get a little confusing once the pre and post- yeah. You know, yes, that's what I meant. Sorry, I think I said post tax. Yeah, so then you can look at it. I would just see maybe the when you're getting into the new house because you're getting used to, used to the new budget, stick with pre tax for that first mm-hmm. year, which okay. you've already switched it to, and then you can see how it is the next year, right? Depending on raises and what it feels like to be in the new. Sometimes it's the first time in the new house, there's more expenses than you anticipated. It's bigger, more furniture, all that. Um, and then you could always try switching it or split it in half and then see how that goes. And then the next year, if you wanted to go full Roth. Okay, perfect. Okay. And then I did have a question. I know you always recommend life insurance and we do not have that. So is that something we should be getting like ASAP? So, and I only like term life insurance. Yes, I did make a note of that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, my dad would be so upset if someone... You heard someone say Barbara likes insurance. I like insurance where it provides leverage. Like I like cheap insurance, big coverage. So I think it would be prudent, especially with the new house, because God forbid something happens to your future husband. This is going to be a lot to afford. You couldn't afford it on your own, the house, Mm -hmm. with just one salary. So I think you both need it. Since you talked about maybe having kids, I would figure out what amount would be comfortable for each of you. And I would, I would get the insurance before you're 30. I got my first term policy before I was 30. So I would look at um, a term policy for 30 years for an amount that would pay off the mortgage, right? So that the other person Mm -hmm. could remain in the house. And then there's really two ways to calculate life insurance. One is needs-based and then one is um, like income replacement. I always looked at needs based because the income replacement is like you take a hundred thousand and you would, you know, not get that for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I don't love that. Right. Because it's gross income, not net. No one's, everyone's paying tax on that. Right. Yeah. I like the needs base. So the, okay. that's the way there's no right or wrong way to calculate it. So if you did, income base, it, it, covers... it covers everything. Yeah. So okay. if you looked at income base for each of you, it'd be approximately 3 million in term, it can be really cheap. Like, so for instance, for a female sub 30, um, and this is just a generalization. This is not like a real quote. I think you could probably get 2 million for probably about a hundred bucks a month. Okay. Pretty cheap. (laughs) Pretty cheap, right? Yeah. As long as you have no underlying issues and you're rated, you know, but that's just like a ballpark so that you know how much you could get. So you could say, okay, the mortgage for everything to be paid off for the house and there to be no debt, right? That would have to be to pay back the parents, let's say 
600,000, right? So right out of the gate, you just okay. need, you each need 600. So the, the house is paid up and there's no debt. Okay. So that's the minimum. And then you just go up from there. So you have kids would, there would obviously, if one person is working, someone has to be watching the kids or there would need to be some sort of help or college, that sort of stuff. But that would be your needs based, what needs need to be covered. And can you ever adjust that number like down the road, like in five years, can you say, oh, maybe we should bump this up like 500,000? You have to go through another. So sometimes with them and during COVID, depending on the amount and the company, some of them are doing them without a physical exam, meaning they don't send a nurse out to do a physical exam. Depends on the the amount of insurance you're getting. If you were to bump it up, you would have to get another physical. So I would err on the side of having more than having less. Okay. No, that sounds good. And then that way you don't have to go through another physical and let's say you do 30 years, I would say 20, but I don't think it's enough coverage because you could, cause you can do 50, meaning that after you pay the hundred dollars a month, so we'll just say, we'll say it's a hundred dollars a month, so 1200 a year and you pay it for 30 years. So you pay in $36,000 at the end of that, obviously we hope you don't die statistically you won't, but it does, God forbid there's a tragedy you're covered financially. It's not both a personal tragedy of losing a spouse and then a financial tragedy of losing your house, right? Because that's what could yeah. happen if it happens early on. So you pay that 36000 to the insurance company. We hope you don't die. At the end of 30 years, the house is paid off. Your TSP is doing great. The 401k is doing great. You have the Morgan Stanley account. You have an emergency fund, right? We have all the things. So you don't need insurance, ideally, in 30 years, right? Because you're yeah. there's no financial tragedy at that point. If you lose your spouse it's a tragedy personally, but financially it isn't. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. No, I feel like we should definitely look into that ASAP. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the, the bank, you're putting enough down. Sometimes the bank will mandate that you have life insurance. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. To cover it. If the numbers don't align. Gotcha. Okay. No, I, I will work on that this week. (laughs) Yeah. You can do it online and get, get quotes. Um, Okay. But yeah, I would always err on the side of having a little bit more, right? Because the probably the difference for five hundred thousand is probably like thirty dollars a month. Okay. So All I think right. always better to have a little bit more because, you know, if there's a health issue down the road, you might not be able to get it. Yeah. Okay. No, that sounds good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like making sure you prevent any preventable problems, if that makes sense. Yes, for sure. <laughs> And the younger you are, the cheaper it is. Okay. All right. Because my partner's 30. So, but we don't have any like underlying health conditions. So, perfect. I heard asthma like can dock you. Yeah. Um, asthma does dock you, which I find shocking. I got docked for asthma. Yeah. That's so crazy to me. But I know. And then my father, like, who is like overweight, apparently didn't get docked for that. And I was like, how? Fuck. I am healthier than for you. Asthma. And I got docked yeah, for asthma. Yeah. That makes sense. I was like, you can't even run a race. I can at least do things. Right. So I think sometimes it also depends on the company. So that's why I would get a few quotes. Okay. Sounds good. But yeah, I don't like any of the, I don't like permanent insurance. I think that that has to be a rare combination where you're better off with permanent. I think you're better off spending the least amount on life insurance and having the most coverage and then building your net worth by having investments. So you're 
work retirement, a Roth IRA, a Morgan Stanley account, all of those things, buying a house. Okay. That's where I think the majority of the money should go, but we need to cover, God forbid, there's an emergency and you don't like to see it, but I have seen it um, where someone thought that the work coverage was more than it was and they lost their spouse and then it didn't cover things, you know, didn't, wasn't the right amount. And so then the house isn't covered and it, it can get, it's sad to see, you know, if it wasn't planned for and it happens, it, it really is just mm-hmm. a, a terrible combination of events. You know, you're losing someone you loved and then trying to figure out if you can keep the house or the kids have to leave the school and it's not good. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to, to me, it's so much easier just to go get term when you're young and then that way you have it. And if you decide you don't need it later on, you can always cancel it. But oh, you can't, once okay. you, you can lock in those low numbers when you're young. And I would, um, since you're under 30, yours will be a little bit cheaper. And I think men tend to be a little bit higher. All right. Good to know. Because statistically, women live longer than men. Yeah. Yeah. So I, w- I would do that too. But I think I think your spreadsheet looks great. And so I would focus on saving that money. And then the numbers look good for the new mortgage. My big thing would be just running, looking at term life insurance and then running that analysis for the principal only payment versus spending that amount to buy down a rate. Yeah, no, I will for sure look at that. That sounds good. Thank you for that. Yeah. So do you have any other questions? No, I think you covered all of them. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, we'll listen up. No, great. Thank you. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. And thanks for being the first person from Nevada. And we went over a lot. So we went over the primary um, residence, capital gain exclusion, buying down rates, principal only payments, life insurance. We got a lot done today. I know. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. And for all of our lovely listeners, you can find our most up-to-date information on Instagram. Our name is Future Rich Podcast and online, which is www.futurerichpodcast.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 